And so then you switched everything all around. I was like, oh, I can't preach on that. Oh, but I don't know preach about. I said, so Lord, uh, give me a, a word because I, I hear where she's going with this. I, I, I see the vision. So he did what well, I feel he did. Uh, I know he did. So I just hope you receive it. So he told me to start from the beginning. We talked last Sunday about a revolution, about um, the necessity for not just change, uh, but a hard change, a, um, uh, a paradigm shift, a complete about face. And in order to accomplish that, that does it, it takes the radical people, it takes radical thinking, it takes uh, thinking outside the box, it takes uh, understanding what got us here, and then understanding the steps necessary to move us forward. Okay, okay, okay. So then in order to do that, he took me all the way back to the beginning. He said, listen, let's start from the top. I said, start from the top, so I don't have a topic. I never do. Uh, every blue moon I do. Every blue moon, the Lord will give me a specific, but I'm a teacher. So most of the time I just get going and then listen, you take your own topic. Right here, we might have a little some stuff. I, we might be Kirk Franklin. Now you're ready for a revolution. But as for now, we just getting ready to go through this thing. So he started me back in John 1, verse 6. And as they would say, when you have it, just say, I got the bread. I don't want to leave it. <laughs> I got the bread. And we see that the Bible, thank you, says that there was, and I'm reading in this, it's a, a New King James Version, which I'm not big on other, if I have to read another version, I prefer the Amplified. Uh, but this particular Bible has really blessed me. It's a, it's a Jeremiah David a study Bible. I mean, the David Jeremiah study Bible. Got that backwards. Uh, so, if you want to follow along, that's the version I'm in. And if you like what you hear, then I recommend investing in one of these. It's, it's really good. Okay, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I'm going to skip down to verse 29. He says, And the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, listen. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, 
but he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, for this reason, I came baptizing with water. So we see the picture painted. We already knew that the prophets had talked about his coming in the Old Testament. We had heard the stories. Isaiah prophesied about him. We talk, uh, uh, I heard him uh, 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 showing up for the uh, the Hebrew boys. Outside of time, he went back and was the fourth in the fire. So we knew about him. We knew he was coming. We knew that he would be the Messiah. Here's John. John sees him and he's like, listen, y'all remember who everybody was talking about? That's him. Jesus of Nazareth. Well, of course the people didn't believe it. Him, please. It's just like me saying, listen, heaven is the, re the revolutionary. <laughs> It's her. Remember I was telling y'all she's going to come, she's going to write this book, and then her book is going to change all our minds and all of our thinking. Remember this? Remember her? Y'all be like, no, that's heaven. <laughs> that's heaven from the church. She's not a revolutionary. That's what they were thinking was in her. That's Jesus from Nazareth. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Didn't they say it? Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. That's him. John said, no, that's, that's him. So, we, so here's Jesus. And he's walking uh, the journey uh, in ministry. So after John, well, we're going to go to another book, technically. You don't have to go with me, but uh, John pointed him out. But if we go back in Mark, we see uh, a, a testimony where he was with the other disciples, uh, Mark 4 and 38. And they were on the water. And the water became, you know, bad because he had told them earlier, see, okay, so earlier, I know, so earlier, <laughs> listen, y'all might as well go ahead and give me about 30 minutes. Earlier, because <laughs> I need it. Earlier, he had been teaching the multitude about the sower and the seed. And he had already explained to them because they asked him, well, give us an interpretation. And he was like, what? Wait, why am I giving y'all an interpretation? And y'all been with me all this time. Isn't that what he says about us? You know, we're the church. We claim to be so saved and sanctified and filled with mm -hmm. it. They say the precious gift of the Holy Ghost and that with fire will speak in tongues as the Spirit give utterance. And yet when the boat gets shaky, when the fire's up, the first thing we want to do is go wake him up after a hard day. Now, he had already told us you should be at, a, a, at an advanced state, but I'm going to go ahead and explain the parable of the seed and the sword to you again. I shouldn't have to do this to you. It should have been for them who don't know, but let me tell you who should know. After he did that, he said, let's get in the boat and let's go over. So they get in the boat and they go over, and now all of a sudden the, the, the tempest is raging, and then they run down and wake him up after all that Bible study and all that teaching in that hot sun and all that those miracles and everything he performed. All he wanted to do was lay down. Can I take a nap? Y'all know I'm in here, right? Instead, they woke him up. Do you even care that we finna die? What a slap in the face. He looked at them like, first of all, you know how it is, somebody wake you up, you are thrown off like. Listen, I was in my good sleep. <laughs> Let me get up and, and, and rebuke the wind and the waves right quick so I can deal with y'all. Peace, be still. Now, back to you. You have no faith. Mm. He didn't say a little bit. Mm -hmm. He said you have no faith. 
Why'd you think that that's just like me coming in here? Oh, you, don't, you don't care about teaching us. Well, why would I get up on the Sunday and listen at 630 on a Sunday morning so I could be here on time? If I didn't, that's a slap in the face. I'm going to leave. I'm going, I'm out of here. Thanks, Heather, but no thanks. Don't invite me here anymore because all they're going to do is you don't care about us, about teaching us. No, of course I do. That's what he's saying. Of course. Why would you even say that to me? And we do that to him all the time. We talk about the church. This is a letter to the church. Where are we, church? Mm-hmm. What are we supposed to be doing, church? Mm-hmm. He said, I'm calling you to a place of belief. But we, we're getting there. Luke 9, he comes through. Luke 9 and 44, he comes to say, listen, y'all, in a few minutes, they're getting ready to come get me. One of y'all going to betray me, and I'm out of here. They're going to take me. So he had been telling them all these things that were going to happen. Well, we find... Uh, them on the road to Emos. Mm-hmm. It was funny because thank you, good, good place to laugh, man. Because that, that's exactly where I go. We find them on the road to Emos, Cleopas, and I believe it was Peter and Peter. It was two of them. They were walking down, talking. This is right after the crucifixion happened, and they walking down the road, and they like uh, you find it Luke twenty four thirteen. They walking down the road. And they're like, listen, can you believe it? Can you believe they got him? Can you believe they kidnapped him? I mean, they, can you believe Judas turned him in? Hmm. And can you believe that they did that to him? They beat him up and hung him on the cross. So here comes Jesus walking by them. But the Bible says miraculously their eyes were covered. So they ain't recognize him. And he walking beside them. He's like, hey, y'all, what's going on? They're like, we're talking. We're talking about. No, he, he first he told them, you must be the only stranger around here, huh? You must be new in town. What do you mean, what are we talking about? We're talking about what everybody's talking about. We're talking about Christ, the Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ. We're talking about him. And we're talking about how the fact that we thought he was going to be the savior of the Jews. We thought he was going to come here and be the Messiah, but honey, they killed him. And he's looking at them like, really? You still don't believe everything they taught you and told you? He started teaching them again, y'all. Mm-hmm. Now, Emos was about seven miles from Jerusalem. So they're walking this seven-mile journey. So he has you know, a nice little minute to teach them. And he's going back to within history with them. And he's telling them, like, I'm shocked that you're shocked that he was crucified because that's what we've been telling you was going to happen the whole time. <laughs> that's the point of him coming. And for you all to say, we thought he was going to be the Messiah because he was crucified. And then they told him, get this, get this. The women went and looked to the tomb, and he was already gone. Now, he told us he was going to get up in three days. But can you believe they went to the tomb and he was gone? <laughs> and he was looking at them like, yes, I can believe this. <laughs> I, this is what we said was going to happen, right? Didn't we say this? So why are you shocked? That's what he says to the church all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, we get somewhere. We get somewhere. I'm painting a picture. He said, well, then why are you shocked when this stuff happened? Why do you act surprised when 
you're, when somebody on their hands on you and you're healed, why is that like, ooh, I didn't think it. Girl, I went to that service and I can't, I didn't think God that was God. Why not? Why not? Because when he comes, he comes. <laughs> oh, come on, somebody. Yeah. Why wouldn't you be in his presence and be delivered? Yeah. Why wouldn't you be in his presence and be healed? Why are we so shaken when it comes to the cares of this life? When he already told us the man that is born in a, of a woman is full of few days and full of trouble. When he told us these light afflictions are before a moment. But they work in us. Something greater. But we don't believe it. We focus on the affliction. And then we don't have anything to say because listen, we have a job to do. We have a job to do. Whether you believe it or not, we have a job to do. So we get to Acts. Now we are ready for the church to start. This first time they start calling Christians. But we're in Acts, but they ain't calling this yet. Acts chapter one, they are all there. So at this point, now the disciples are equal in about 120. That's a legal amount. Those were for legal reasons, uh, for their gathering and for the thing. That's why when Judas was, you know, he hung himself, they had to find another one to replace him. They had to vote right. somebody in. Right. The, the numbers had to stay even for all kinds of reasons. Okay. So it's about 120 of them. They are in the upper room. And they are, as the Bible says, hey, let's read, let's read, let's read. Let's do, let's start at chapter two. Since I have all these pages uh, mapped out, I might as well use them, huh? Okay. Hope y'all stand with me. Amen. Okay, let's look at Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, the Bible said they were all with one accord. That's funny. In one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And I don't want to get in trouble with anybody or anything, but I feel like the Holy Ghost is a gift. Uh, we talk about tongues for some people being the proof of the Holy Spirit. People feel like if you don't, then you don't have it. But what we notice here is that they weren't speaking in unknown tongues. Come on, teach. Mm -hmm. There was a multitude of people that started hearing them, like, what is this ruckus? It's 120 people yelling with the same voice. Come on. With one shout. Yeah. What is going on? And people started coming. There were thousands of people that was looking on. And they looking like, and they speaking our language. Why is it that we understand them? In our own, and there were people of different languages. Yeah. And each of them heard in their own language. In other words, once the Holy Ghost came, they began to witness. Yeah. They began to tell somebody what they saw and what they felt. And the Spirit allowed them to tell so that you can hear and understand. Come on, that's right. So at this point now, they are speaking in tongues, 
talking to the people, and the people are like, they drunk. <laughs> they are drunk, literally. Peter was like, no, we're not drunk. It's only the third hour. It's like, no, no. It ain't time yet. He said no drink. He said it ain't time yet. Oh, come on, saints. Them holy rollers. They feel like if you have a, oh, let's be real. That's right. They said this to, who was that, Sarah, who stumbled out when she was all mad because Abraham kept going to Passover with his concubines and kids. And, they, and she was so grieved, and they was like, ma'am, are you drunk already? She was like, no, it's just 9 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> they gave the time. They didn't say I don't. And I'm not saying, I'm not justifying drinking. But what I'm doing is we keep running people away from the church with our rules and ideologies. Come on, yeah. Instead of seeing what it says in the Bible, he told them, no, we're not drunk yet. It's still too early for that. We are full, we are full of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and that with fire. Come on. And that with fire. And so the people started listening to him preach. And he started preaching. So the one thing I noticed is the current state of the church is that we are all over the place. I think Heather touched on this last week, too. It's hard to count your wins. I mean, you got little fires everywhere. I'm learning that in my own life. I feel like I'm a, what is it, the jack of all trades, master of none. Everybody gets a little bit because you over-promise, under-deliver. You have a little bit of this. Somebody say, can you line your stuff up? Well, I do taxes. Now I'm in finance. I work for Salvation Army as a teacher. I'm a preacher. I'm an actress. How can I line this up? I my head all over the place. But I'm learning to. I have to align. We must align because the bottom line is we have a commission. And we have a command. But the first thing we have to do is get out of this mode of unbelief. Unbelief, going with him all this time and still not believing him. And then we have to get on the same page. It's imperative that we're on the same page. The Bible talks about fellowship. In this, uh, in this meaning of fellowship, when he discusses it, the word uh, koinonia, it signifies oneness or commonality or true community. The church was known to be a community. So y'all, the people got saved, and the first thing they did was start selling all their possessions, selling their land, and bringing the money in. The Bible says, so here, I'm, let's read that. I think that's 2 and 42. It says, and they continue steadfastly. I'm in Acts 2 and 42. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Because now, at this point now, over 3,000 people had gotten saved after this. Mm -hmm. Now imagine that. 3,000 people. <laughs> to something that you're just now introducing. See, we have, listen, <laughs> we have so many renditions and versions of this Bible. People say, why don't we do signs and wonders like he used to anymore? Why don't Because it's, it's, it shouldn't be necessary at this point. Come on. It was necessary then because it was all brand spanking new. Right, proof, right. It was proved they had to, when, when, when they ran into the lame man who was used to begging for alms in, I believe, the second chapter of Acts at the beginning of this, and he was, they used to him, he's in his 40s already. I, I compared him to, I was talking to my husband about this yesterday, telling him what I think I want to talk about today. You know how that goes. And we talked about the guy that begs at every gas station around our house. And I said, imagine him 
all of a sudden, you know how he is, because we laugh at how he walk, because he literally like, walk like this, and we like, you got chain. I said, imagine him all of a sudden, you pick him up, and you know, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Yeshua, you get up and, and be normal. I said, and all of a sudden, he became just like, hey, guys, how you doing? You know what? Let me get out here. Let me find some honest word. Appreciate your help. I said, you'll be looking at him like, uh-uh. <laughs> You're supposed to be the crazy man still begging for the money. This is what the lame man, that's what happened. That man had been lame since he was born. He was over 40 years old. Everybody knew that he had a messed up ankle and foot. So when the, uh, when the disciples pulled him up and he was healed, everybody started, listen, I want it. I want to be saved. That's what's supposed to happen. See, we are supposed to be a living testimony. Mm -hmm. So that when people see us, they immediately say, what's the duty of the church? We're supposed to be living epistles. Amen. So that when they see us, they look and say, I want to be, I want to be saved. Not, Ooh, what church she go to? <laughs> oh, here they go with this again, with this religion talk. No, when we come, there should be manifestations. Greater works, he already told us that we were going to do. That's what they were doing. That's what they were doing. But they did it because they were with one accord. He said, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. In other words, they all had a common goal. They all had a common goal. And sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. What's our job? That's why we have the Great Commission. We're getting there. But one, it has to start with fellowship. It has to start with one goal. It has to start with a commonality. It has to start with having one thing in mind. And it got to the point where the, the heads of the states and the magistrates were still getting mad at them. So we have to do it even when we feel like it's not favorable. Even if it's up to death. Even if it's up to jail. Because they counted it as a good thing. When they went to jail, and then the people beat them up after they had to release them because they were like, might as well release them. If it's fake, then it'll die off. They'll die it out. If it's real, then you don't want to be responsible for killing these people. So let them go. But then they beat the sleeves off of them. And when they went back, they went right back out preaching in the temple like, look what I've done. <laughs> he said we were going to be persecuted for righteousness sake. We want to quit. One thing go wrong, the first thing we do is, see, I knew, you know, Lord, I guess you just don't want me to have it anyway, huh? I guess it's just no peace in my life. I guess this is just what my life is about to be. I guess this is your plan for me. I thought you had a plan for me. We like to think about all those times somebody prophesied to us and called each one of them a liar one by one. Remember you said I was going to, yeah, remember you said I was going to get that, remember that, nah, none of it came to pass. Remember that, remember that money? <laughs> the first thing we do is give up. No, but they went back in in verse 23 of chapter 4. He said they prayed a prayer for boldness. Come on. That's what the church is supposed to do. We're supposed to come together, one focus, one mind, and we're supposed to persevere even when it's hard. And when it gets hard, pray for even more boldness. Amen. Mm -hmm. 
Pray for the strength to endure. But we can't give up. We have to be willing to suffer. We have to be vigilant. And we have to be intentional with our message. And what is the message? The message is teaching Christ and him crucified. Come on. And understanding that we have a dual role in this relationship. Real quick, let's go to Ephesians 1. Because we have a dual role. One is our, it's us and him. That's our position. He and us is our possession. And the job is to align our position and our possession so that we can influence our condition. Yeah. <laughs> How do I influence my condition? How do I change what's around me? Okay. I have to understand, first of all, what my position is. Ephesians 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him we also have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance unto the, rede the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. We are his possession. We find that in John 14. I'm almost done. John 14, verse 16 and 17. He says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another help, in other words, the comforter, that he may abide in you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you and will be in you. He said, I will not leave you orphans, but I will come to you. So this is our possession. I want to jump down to verse 26. He says, but he, the helper, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Because, <laughs> see, they'll take it back, do I give to you. He says, so let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. We have no need to stress or worry because of our possession. Our position in him allows our possession of him. And we can line that up with our condition. Understanding that we have power, which is authority, influence, and control. Okay. Uh, Acts 1 and 8 says, but after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power. Where is it? I want to find verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be what? Witnesses. What are we supposed to be doing? Witnesses. That's the call. He said, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. That means here in all Judea. He said, and Samaria. See, at that time, they thought religion was just for the Jews. But he's telling you, them is for everybody. Yeah. It's for the Gentiles. You, even those that are far off. He said, so I encourage you, Matthew 28, and that's where we're going to close. 28 and 
19. He says, so go ye therefore and make disciples of all the nations, mm -hmm. baptizing them in the name of the Father mm -hmm. and of the Son mm -hmm. and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, mm -hmm. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What is our job to do, church? What are we called to do to be a witness? We are called to be a witness. Why? Because we have seen him. Now we know who he is and we believe him. And our job is to spread the news. Understanding that if you possess the Holy Ghost, and if you just get the Holy Ghost, you possess all things that come with him after the Holy Spirit come upon you. He'll lead and guide you into all truth. We are revolutionary. That ain't my topic, but we are revolutionary. But our job is to be on one accord. Amen. Is to come back together with a common goal. Amen. And that common goal is to be a witness. Amen. Because he said in First John that the Antichrist is going to come. Yeah. Oh, see, what we have to understand is this is the end. <laughs> These are the last days that they say in perilous times. Yeah. So this time is coming. And you're going to have to figure out which side are you standing on? Mm -hmm. Whose side are you leaning on? And if they're ready to cut your head off for the sake of Christ, are you willing to do it? If they tell you that you can't, or you'll be arrested for good, just like they do with us now. Them churches shut down so fast when they told us to shut down. We did it without even thinking. It really is a shame. And I'm not saying we don't care about people's health. But we did it without even thinking. Mm. How easy is it for us to fall into this, to unbelief, to be scattered, Jesus. to forget about that common goal and mission, and that is understanding that we have a possession, we have a treasure in these earthen vessels. Pray my strength in the Lord, y'all. God, uh, add a blessing to the reader here and do it of his word. God, amen. I want to thank everyone for coming today, but you know what? With that, we all are witnesses, and we have been witnessed too. Amen. amen. So we just thank God today for the witness. Amen. But now that you've been witnessed to, you got to make a decision. Yeah. <laughs> See, the thing about it is, it's a sword unto life or a sword unto death because no one will escape this earth and say they did hear it. Yeah. So wherever you listen at around the world, you've been witnessed to it. If you're not saved, you need to think about it. Yeah. I pray that that word pricked your heart that you must ask, what must I do to be saved? So you can be a witness. So you can go out and tell somebody about the Jesus that we serve. Amen. And the cross that we believe in. Amen. Jesus Christ and him crucified is not a theory. It's not a dream, it's a fact. Mm -hmm. That's where all people come to be equal. Rich, poor, black, white, don't make a difference because we all sinners and we saved by grace. Mm -hmm. And now with that mission, like she said, I'm going to just call the sermon The Mission. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. With the mission through this revolution that we're supposed to go through, it has a change in our hearts. A radical change in my heart when I got saved. Mm -hmm. That I looked at my own sin worse than I did yours. Mm -hmm. That I might look at myself and say, how merciful God has been to me and I want to share it with you. So now, saints of God and ain'ts of God and people who are listening worldwide, you have to make a decision because the truth has went forward. Amen. Amen. You can't deny it. You can't ignore it. You have to make the truth. Choose this day who you're going to serve. But as far as us, we, in our houses, yeah. we're going to serve the Lord. Amen.
All right, let's pray. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, I just thank you for that word that went out. Lord, let it has graced us, it has blessed us. Lord, we know what our mission is now. We are realigned. We need to refocus. We are ready to fight the good fight of faith and start the revolution with the word of God. Lord, thank you. Thank you for these past two weeks, Lord. We look forward to the next speaker for the next two weeks. We just thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Pastor Jay with Walking Truth Radio Podcast and Senior Pastor of Walking Truth Christian Fellowship Church. I want to thank you today for tuning in and I want to praise you for praying for this ministry. We are growing by leaps and bounds. If you would like to support this ministry and give a donation, look in the description. We have Cash App, Venmo, and PayPal. But most importantly, we need your prayers. So I just want to thank you again for coming along on this journey and we will see you on the other side.